Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Jennifer and Wendy Show on this Wednesday, February 28th. Wendy Weiss off today. She'll be back tomorrow. And Joe Hallman sitting in. Good morning, Joe. How are you, Jennifer? Good. Connor McCarthy is here as well. Morning, Connor. Good morning. Hey, Connor. And the World Bank's Missouri text line is open at 84126. And you will need that right now if you are interested in getting four free tickets to the St. Charles Boat Show. It begins tomorrow. It runs through Sunday all kinds of new models of boats on hand. You can register for $1,000 worth of free gas at the show. It's at the St. Charles Convention Center, and all you need to do is text in Boat Show to 84126, and Connor will choose the fourth texter, and then you will hear from our sales associate, Mark Kelly, who will get you those free tickets to the Boat Show. A uh, company is running at the Fox now through March 10th, so we will chat with a few of the actors from that. Aikajachi joins us from ABC News at 10.50. And then at 11.08, two anchors from KSCK, Mercedes McKay and Travis Cummings will be with us. You know, Joe, people are always asking why we don't have Art on again. Art's kind of busy running the newsroom. So, so he says. So he says. But these are two of his hires. Okay. And when I was at KSDK recently with Karen Foss for a little ceremony they had, uh, Mercedes McKay said, when I tell people Art Holiday is my boss, they're like, whoa, <laughs> <laughs> lucky you. Do they call him Mr. Holiday? You know, I'm not, I can't <laughs> imagine. I could, do you think? <laughs> people don't do that in newsrooms, right? No. There, there's not a lot of that. Usually it's a first name business. Although Wendy says everybody called Mr. Mr. Highland. Highland. Mr. Highland. So. I can see that. I'm in Mr. Pulitzer back when he mm-hmm. was in there. I never so. met him. I did when, like used to twice. Channel 5. Right. Oh, only twice? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I was, my goal was to not meet any of the <laughs> higher ups. I mean, right. the, the, the less of the big bosses that I met, I was thinking, I'm doing pretty good here, you know? So I wasn't like going out of my way. There's the people who are like, Hi, Mr. Pulitzer. Let me introduce myself. I was like, you just keep sending me the checks, Mr. Pulitzer. Everything's you, good. You don't even need to know I'm here. And did you notice, now obviously I started working at Channel 5 in 1979, and people even in the movies said Pulitzer. Once I had an argument with my parents' friends, they said it's not Pulitzer, it's Pulitzer. I'm and like, it is. It is Pulitzer. St. Louis has said Pulitzer. Pulitzer, I believe, is how the family pronounced the you name. You are kidding. No. Now, I... No. I I'm skeptical. Well, you know, and I... Is it one of the things where they just... Emily Pulitzer, with all the art installations and everything, I thought I I, heard her say on the news... Well, Say Pulitzer? I've heard it pronounced both ways. I've heard it pronounced both ways by people in all various fields. So... You need to get to the bottom of this, because you've worked there. Yeah, but quite frankly, they don't own it anymore, (laughs) so my level of interest has went down. No. (laughs) Are there uh, newspaper reporters who work... 3 a.m. to 11? Uh, 5, 5.30 in the morning is uh, 5 o'clock, 5.30. Because they have to go out on stories. Well, the police, what you do is you make the calls as to what happened overnight because our deadlines, if it happened after 10 or 11 o'clock at night, we're not going to get it. Mm-hmm. used to be it could happen up till about 12.30 with changing the number of press runs for a paper. It's earlier, so anything pretty much that happens after 10.30 or 11.00, then we have someone in the morning starting about 5 a.m. who calls around to the police to pick up the overnights. And so. usually, I don't know if they still do this because I've been out of local news for so long, but there was always one reporter slash photographer who drove around all night long. The guy at Channel 2 was really good. And I, I can't remember his name now, but everybody knew who yeah, we, he was. And 
The overnight stuff? No, we do, no that. I mean, I don't know mm-hmm. if te- television stations do it. I, I don't have know no if they, idea. Yeah, I don't know if they do it. And, and now there's nobody to talk to anyway because everything now goes through the public relations department mm-hmm. and police departments. You know, it used to be stop by the police department. You could say no, you can't do that anymore. Well, but in the old days, yeah, we sure. did that. <laughs> sure, I remember when I very first started, the desk sergeant or whatever would just push a book, the incident book, and you would just go through and read what was going on, or you could talk to any sergeant. And now it's like you have to send an email to the communications department, right. you know, and. Uh, Part of my overall complaint is is that I am convinced that the more it talks about transparency, the less transparent they are. Yeah, I mean, it's almost become a rule. Mm-hmm. You know, anytime I hear a politician now saying, I want transparency, it's like, no, you don't. The first <laughs> time I ask that. for records, you're going to tell me no. <laughs> what they mean is, is I want you to be transparent. Me, not so much. So, And police departments are very tough. It used to be you got to know several sergeants in homicide mm-hmm. and a couple of sergeants out on the streets, you call them up and go, is there anything, uh, what, what happened? You. And they, here's, and, and they could tell you the, the basics. They could yeah. tell you the basics. Now you have to send an email, wait for the reply. And then you know how it is when you get a reply. It's like, well, they didn't even answer this and this. So then you have to send another email, you know, and it's, it, you and know. And how quickly do people answer their emails, even in that capacity. Right. And it, it can be, you know, and most of them try to be, I'm not sitting here like a lot of the patrol officers and sergeants who are doing this are, are doing their utmost, but it comes down to is, is they're trying to craft their message, yes. how they want it out. You know, it becomes spin. Yeah. And, and quite frankly, and I mean, and in all due respect, I have a lot of friends in the public relation business. They're mm-hmm. selling you a story. <laughs> Right. Okay, that's exactly, it's a pitch. Okay, so you have to look past that and go, well, you didn't answer this and this. Well, we'll look into that. No, okay. You know the answer. You know, I mean, it just becomes a very frustrating. Yes. uh, Because I remember 20 years ago, no one talked about transparency, but you got more information. That is so true. Now they all talk about transparency and they won't give it to you. Myself and another reporter engaged in something right now. We simply can't get records. Cities just refuse to give you records or they say, we'll get back to you with that. Even though you have a right. It's in the state law. Right. You know, it's not like we made something up and said we deserve to have this. The state law says anybody deserves to have this. And I can't imagine what public regular citizens do, what sort of frustration if they want something, at least – you or I have a news organization behind us, yeah. but somebody who walks into a city hall and says, I'd like records of this, I wonder how long it takes them in cases we hear about people being charged exorbitant amounts for copies of records. Mm-hmm. All the while, they're talking transparency, and we have fought it from large governments all the way down to small governments, and they've just figured out ways to frustrate transparency. And this is why we need local news. And at 1108 today, we'll be talking to two young people who are at KSDK about just that. Uh, We have plenty of boat show texters, so Connor will get the fourth one. And one thing Joe and I were talking about in the office this morning, and I'm curious to hear from you. What is a headline that you heard so many times you started to believe it without doing the research yourself? And specifically, I think about health 
science or health news, but just curious to hear from all of you. You know, the Jennifer and Wendy show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Have have you ever envied another couple's relationship and you wondered what was their secret to happiness? What makes them soulmates? Well, great relationships don't happen by accident. They take work from both people, and sometimes we all need a little help. If you've ever thought about therapy, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a therapist. You won't have to wait months And you can switch therapists at any time for no additional cost. And we've heard from a lot of you who live in outlying areas. There just aren't therapists in your area or you have to wait forever. You won't have to through BetterHelp. Therapy can be a safe place to work through challenges you face in all of your relationships. And it's not like you have to have experienced major trauma. Therapy can be a good tool for anyone. Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit BetterHelp.com slash J&W today, and you'll get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash J&W. On the Royal Banks, Missouri text line from the 314. Hey, Joe, anything new in the patrol car that ran into a bar down in the city? Nothing new that I've heard of other than uh, I believe the uh, police chief has apologized for that. Uh, so I'm sure some damages. But, yeah, no, I don't have any inside knowledge of any official new action on that. STLtoday.com. Mike from Accounting texts in whoever signing our paychecks is pronouncing it correctly. Good morning. <laughs> we were talking about Pulitzer versus Pulitzer. That was my theory. Is, you know, I'm okay and you're okay if the check's okay. <laughs> so it's like. <laughs> you know, the other thing, random thoughts here, that I, I was thinking about this morning is one of the least attractive jobs I can think of, not that I would ever be up for this, is First Lady of the United States. That is thankless. Yep. I think the women who have had that position, I don't know, maybe Jill Biden has not been criticized as much as the other ones. People, Americans seem to be fine with the fact that she continued to work. But, man, I mean, Hillary Clinton, Michelle Obama, Melania, Trump, these women are subjected to such criticism, including how they look, of course. Right. Whether well, they look too good or not good enough, they're criticized. You know, it's uh, it's sort of a no-win kind yes. of a job that, that I think reflects the way we've treated the presidency. Uh, like Jackie, uh, Jacqueline Kennedy was pretty much revered, yes. as was her husband. But that was also a time when revering people in those positions was the way to go. And then with Lyndon Johnson... It's kind of started going down. A lot of things, I think, pivoted at the Kennedy assassination with how we view government. Mm-hmm. And then certainly with Watergate 10 years after that, uh, we quit looking at that as being some sort of it, – it became a target for criticism. Right. And it was very easy to take a shot at the spouse of, the wife right. of, the president. And however you feel about Nancy Reagan, I remember one thing she was criticized for when she had breast cancer was she chose a preventive double mastectomy. It's her body. She can do what she wants, and she was slammed for it. Betty Ford was so open with her alcoholism. And I don't know that she was criticized for that, but that was groundbreaking at the time. Betty Ford is the one of the, the first ladies who I think kind of uh, – I guess, and I was too young to remember, people talked about Jacqueline Onassis with a tour of the White House and sort of became a person on her own with with a separate identity. 
from her husband. But Betty Ford was the first one to me where it was like, well, here's a first lady who's actually making a public difference, Mm -hmm. you know. And and so I remember appreciating the fact that she said, yeah, I have this problem and I'm taking care of it. And I guess if you're just completely soulless and heartless, you could make fun of that problem. But I thought she was one who stood out and said, yeah, take the shots. And took the stigmatism, the stigma away for other people. I agree. You know, Greg Willard, as Mm -hmm. you know, worked in the White House and personal friends, was personal friends with her and her daughter, Susan. And he said she just had a great sense of humor. Well, and he worked for Gerald Ford, who I thought, honestly, was a a president who was treated unfairly. I do, too, after hearing Greg. Right. It it just was because, and I think now when you look at it, where the country would probably clamor is, could we get a Gerald Ford again? Right. Because he seemed like a decent person who did some things people didn't like, but a lot of it was, you're the guy who came after Nixon and pardoned him, so we hated Nixon, we will hate you. And I think that really started the downward trend that we had at the way we looked at the presidency. Yeah, but then the other thing, I mean, one day he tripped and there were cameras on him. And then that headline, like he couldn't walk and chew gum at the same time. Arguably one of the most athletic presidents who has ever occupied the office. Right. And the media bought into he's a klutz. And he was not. No, he was an all-American football player, a good golfer, but it just became all of a sudden – that he was this guy who couldn't, like you said, walk and chew gum, couldn't have been further from the truth, but it became the butt of jokes. Right. And now Joe Biden uses cards when he speaks. So did George Bush. So do most people. If they go out and they have to remember everything, they're going to use note cards. Well, I think and I know I'm sure that the the good listeners that you have are tired of me saying it, but it just it's another example of it has to be a polar opposite. Mm-hmm. Either Joe Biden is awful Right. Because he uses cards or Joe Biden can do no wrong. I mean, you know, it can't be this lukewarm. Well, he's got pluses and minuses. We don't do nuance anymore. Yeah, it's it's black and white thinking. Yep. yep. Uh, and of course, we have comments on the Royal Banks, Missouri text line as people are weighing in on the age of both presidential candidates and how they walk and how they move, et cetera. Uh, and. Well, that's, I, that's an argument that probably won't go away. Well, and, 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 and it shouldn't, quite honestly. And I think this is another one that falls victim to this. You're either for or against, right. you know, it's kind of side. But instead of how about a cognitive awareness test well, that and, all people should take? And I, and I think we saw that was is that there was one side clamming for cognitive tests of Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Okay. Maybe they had a point. Maybe they didn't. Let's talk it out. As soon as Joe Biden became president, that side quit asking for cognitive tests, and the other side wanted cognitive tests. And it was like, well, you were either both right, right. or you were both wrong. <laughs> so where are we going with this? But I do think when you – and I know being as old as I am, sometimes things just aren't as sharp in my brain as yeah. they used to be 15, 20 Same years here. ago. And I've known people who are 75, 76, 81, and they're not as sharp as they were when I knew them 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. They're still they're still intelligent. But the idea of asking a question about the, let's call it what everybody loves to say, the leader of the free worlds, mental acuity, 
to me, is always a valid question regardless of who the candidate or who that person is. Yes. So Agreed. We're going to switch gears here, and when we come back, talk about the search for love and cocktails in New York. Yeah. That is company running at the Fox through March 10th. So we'll be back in a moment. at the fabulous Fox until March the 10th. And Joe and I are lucky to have in the studio with us now Tyler Hardwick, <laughs> Kenneth Francoeur, and David Sokolor, who are in the production of Company. Welcome. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Does anybody have a St. Louis connection? I've been here before and bought a Build-A-Bear at the mall. That's Tyler Hardwick. Tell us how you got into this business and what your role is, is in company, Tyler. Ooh, how I got into the business. Well, I went to public school like most of Americans, and I realized I hated every subject except for <laughs> theater, and I doubled down and learned that I love that. So I... I and ran towards that dream. Your parents were behind you? They were actually, yeah. But they, my parents are very like, whatever you want to do, just be the best. I like, think that's great because, Joe, don't you often think that parents would say, why don't you do something where you'll actually be able to make a living? <laughs> that does come a point is, can you make a living at this? It's right. like, I think I can. Well, good. And <laughs> so. it seems like when we meet young actors and actresses and musical talent that a lot of a lot of you say your parents did back you up. David Sokolar, what about you? Yes, I I was very fortunate as well. My parents were sort of the similar attitude of like, if you love this and you you want to pursue this, then we're behind you 100%. And I wonder if the reason that most of the people you talk to have that in common is because the ones who don't, don't pursue it, which is unfortunate. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, you know, it's great. We're very lucky to have that. that. And uh, Mm -hmm. let's see, Kenneth, what about you? Kenneth Francoeur. Yeah, same. I grew up in a small town in Maine, and my parents were always very supportive of me getting out of Maine and pursuing this, moving to New York, and they've been amazing. That's got to be a cultural transition to move to New York City. I always used to ask people what they pay for rent and compare it to what what we do in St. Louis. (laughs) Don't ask. We've had reporters come from the East Coast to St. Louis to work, and they'll go to buy a house, and they can't believe. They're like, I get the whole house for that price? I mean, it's like, you know, and it's it's an amazing, uh, that's why a lot of people stayed in St. Louis was like, I can buy a 3,000-square-foot house here. I can't even afford one anywhere on the East Coast. Yeah. You know what you're paying for? We walk out of our house, 1.30 a.m., and we can get a full sandwich and a meal at the bodega. Well, That's so, what we're paying for. I mean, New York City is so exciting. That better be one good sandwich. Tyler. Yeah. yeah it's very okay, good. Tyler, what do you love about Company, the musical uh, at the Fox right now? I mean, it's a Stephen Sondheim classic show, reimagined, huge comedy. I play the role of PJ. I love the the this awesome trio that we get to sing that we actually sang uh, on the news this morning right before this. Oh. <laughs> uh, it's called You Could Drive a Person Crazy. It's like a barbershoppy Andrew Sisters kind of uh, choreography, tight harmony number that is amazing to do every night. Now, Kenneth, did the three of you know each other before you were cast in this production? We didn't. So we all met back in September. Um, and Tyler and I actually share the same agent, but we didn't know each other um, and it's been great getting to work with this incredible, incredible company, and we've just become fast friends. Well, David, what are auditions like these days for young people like yourself? 
That's an interesting question because as we're on the road, and it was starting to become this way even even when we were home in New York, but a lot of the first step of auditions are on tape now. That mm-hmm. sort of happened during the pandemic. Um, and so they just kind of kept that going, which is nice for us who are on the road and can kind of still get our hats in the ring when we're um, – when we're not there to come in person. But then in the callback situation, you might have to fly to New York and do an in-person, um, you know, callback. And then that's the inter- interesting thing about about this this job, this industry. It's like you, you have the security of a job while you have it. But as you're doing that job, you're, sometimes. you're actively looking for what's going to be next, <laughs> which can sometimes be a little bit uh difficult to navigate but um but it's the nature of the beast yeah kenneth how much of a thick skin do you have to have regarding said auditions i mean do they say to your face no that'd be better yeah no a lot of times (laughs) a lot of times if you don't get it you just don't hear um it's just radio science so you're ghosted in a way wow i had one that is worse that's worse yeah yeah Yeah. and or it'll be i had one a couple weeks ago where where and it was over zoom and she said um Wow, we we, we uh, that's all we need from you today. Looking forward to seeing you again soon. We'll be in touch, and never heard anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> soon meant never. never. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm Which like, happens a lot. Just just don't say anything if you're not gonna. Yeah, you yeah. know. But you I never mean, know. So you're all young. When did you learn this was the kind of response you might be up against after an audition where they're acting really nice, but they're not really interested? I mean, I I think I was auditioning during college for more professional things and i Mm -hmm. i you know i think i was an uh, an older soul back then back then (laughs) Uh, you're aging backwards yeah 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 yeah, yeah. but i don't know i just i think people expect like they only plan for their 20s or something or i was like no like i'm in it until i'm 95 hopefully so it's like it's like the stock market you got to play the long game it can't always be the short game now you're in a union right yes Mm -hmm. what's the union actors equity Actors' equity. Mm-hmm. Not we're both in SAG-AFTRA, right? I'm not. You're in Newspaper Guild. Newspaper Guild. Okay, yeah. Oh, go SAG. Good or bad? Our union. union? Uh huh. Well, unions are always good. We're in America. Thank you, Tyler. <laughs> there you go. Just There's checking. the press diplomatic <laughs> answer. <laughs> I like these guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Joe for the newspaper where he works is the union steward. Oh, oh, wow. Decades ago at the TV station where I worked, whoever volunteered for that job was usually not renewed when their contract came up. But Mm -hmm. times have changed. They have. They have. So when are you two coming to see the show? Well, we can't wait. Tell us, tell our listeners what you think they'll love the best about it, the show. And I don't know how you feel about St. Louis audiences, but our experience being part of them and listening to our uh, listeners on the text line and talking to other actors, they tell us St. Louis audiences are exceptionally enthusiastic. Yeah, We had a wonderful audience last night. And first of all, the Fox Theater is a piece of art in and of itself. Come to see the theater. Um, Well, come to see us, but enjoy the theater surrounding. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I think like people, people connect to this show because there's... Obviously, the central character of Bobby, but then there's these couples, and then there's these boyfriends, and I think every single character has such a distinct role to play in the show and sort of reason for being there to help propel Bobby forward through the journey, and somebody out of those characters is going to resonate with anyone, regardless of who it is, and they're going to laugh 
through the show because of one of the characters. It's very funny. It's a very um, funny show. A lot of people, you know, think Sondheim is this heady writer who's going to just be writing all these sort of intellectually. And there's that stuff too, but I think people people miss the fact that they're going to come and it's going to be a really fun, funny night. It's a comedy. (laughs) What about the, uh, for those who don't know, this was a massive hit back in 1970. Correct. Won all the Tonys, sort of catapulted Elaine Stritch to a national fame, Mm -hmm. winning Tonys, and then going on to movies. People might remember her as playing Alec Baldwin's mom in 30 Uh Rocks. One of my my favorite actresses ever. Um, Is there any, was there anything, does it remain timeless or... Was there a need to update some things to make it reflect more that's 50 we, years later? We did. I mean, all of the roles are, for the most part, gender swapped. And obviously, different topics socially that have evolved since the 70s are more embedded in the script. So the script is updated. Um, but it still holds true to the power of the show. It won the Best uh, Revival Tony Award, which mm-hmm. is obviously very prestigious and very important. So clearly the work stands for itself. It keeps winning the Tony. <laughs> do you all have a production uh, sort of in your bucket list that you'd like to do that you haven't done yet? Oh. Tyler, mm. Kenneth, David. Ooh, <laughs> wow. question. One role in one play. What would it be? I'm going to do two answers. I always do this. I think my role has not been written yet. I'm always going to say that because... <laughs> You know, every single one of us are individual artists that can bring our own stank, we'll call it. Yeah. Uh, so the Tyler Hardwood You'll story. call it. Yeah, 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 yeah. A solo show coming Tyler 2025. Exclamation point. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think uh, I like uh, a little night music. I don't know. Okay. Listen, I'll, I'll do a gender swap Petra. Okay. All right. Kenneth, all right. Kenneth sure. Rancour, what about you? Um, I would say probably George and Sunday in the Park with George. Wow, that's Ooh. great. That's okay. great. That's Y'all are sticking to Sondheim. Yeah, for yeah. that one. Um, all right. Yeah, all right. Well, one. if we're sticking with Sondheim. Well, you don't have to. We don't have it? to. Okay. I, well, I'm going to say... Uh, I don't know who's seen it, but Hades Town. I would. Ooh. I would love to play oh, Orpheus. I haven't seen that yet. I, would I like was going to say Effie and Dreamgirl, David. <laughs> yeah, well, that could be my second one. <laughs> Nobody After said Willie done... Loman in Death of a Salesman. I mean, <laughs> oh, I mean, look. Da- oh yeah, no, no, no. No, you're, well, you're way too young to even think about. Yeah, I'll that, play right? Biff. <laughs> yeah. While you are here doing uh, company at the Fabulous Fox through March the 10th, what time do you report to work, and what do you all do during the day? Tyler, we'll start with you. Because, you know, we have a lot of great restaurants here. Even though I know you live in New York City, St. Louis has a lot of great restaurants. Well, that's one of our favorite parts of touring is is all the food. I actually hear really specifically from three different St. Louis locals, not related to each, that your Chinese fried rice is something different than the rest of the country? Okay, now Joe's born and bred here. I didn't know that. Yeah, and we have a sandwich called a St. Paul, which can't be found anywhere else, but every Chinese restaurant sells a St. Paul sandwich. And how, how could I not have known this? I've lived but here But what's for with like the fried rice? Years. I'm I'm so I'm, curious. Yeah, what's with the fried rice, Joe? I don't know. It just it's St. Louis fried rice, I guess. I mean, uh <laughs> Or they live in a bubble so much where they haven't had fried rice and it's all the same. (laughs) I I didn't know there was a fried rice difference. Now, the St. Paul, I do know because I've written stories about food that is unique to St. Louis, and it comes down to toasted ravioli. 
gooey, gooey butter, butter cake. cake. Mm. Oh. Emo's Pizza, St. Louis style pizza, which is a thin cracker crust and has provolone cheese, which is polarizing. Not. It is. Okay. It is. I hate it. Um, but I uh, love it, but it took me ten years to. Uh, but the toast, gooey taste. butter cake, though. However, I don't understand how that hasn't caught on. It's just a cake yeah, with an inordinate amount of butter. I mean, it has caught on. Paula that sounds Dean. good. Are we, talk, are we talking Paul Irish Dean gold butter or are we talking <laughs> lighter butter? All of it. All of it. It's bad Irish for you. Irish gold always makes things better. Okay. Yes. <laughs> All right. A ton of sugar. But uh, the St. Paul sandwich is another one that. That's not a brain sandwich, is it? No. No. It's, it's, it's an egg foo young. If you've ever had egg foo yeah. young, it's that patty on Wonder Bread with a slice of lettuce, <laughs> tomato, and mayonnaise. And it sounds awful. Just try one. You go, this doesn't sound very good. How about then, you bring one to the theater? <laughs> can we get into the theater if we, we just you, bring a side a order? Sandwich we could give you a tour. We could give you a tour, yeah. The Hill has great Italian food, and St. Louis has the largest Bosnian population in the country. Oh, wow. And so okay. we have really good Bosnian food. There was here. actually awesome. a long time ago a study that was done that named St. Louis the second best city in the U.S., aside from New York, to get Italian food. Mm-hmm. Wow. And a lot of that comes from the Hill section. Yeah. Uh, so you'll have, to, you'll have to check Italian. it out. Yeah. So I'm assuming that you're going to bring it to the stage door. <laughs> How many Hardwick? tickets are we getting for this? Because we're going to be schlepping in Chinese food, yeah. Italian yeah. food. Yeah. Tyler Hardwick. And we'll put on a good show. Not only in the production of Company, but part of the Chamber of Commerce for the Fabulous yeah. Fox. And Kenneth Frankor and David Sokol are all are appearing in Company. It's at the Fabulous Fox Theater through March the 10th. Fabulousfox.com for more, more information on tickets. Thank you, gentlemen. Have a great time in St. Louis. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. We'll be back in a moment. Did we mention pork steaks I to the young not. men who were to uh, Kenneth Francoeur, Tyler Hardwick, or David Sokol? Or we forgot, but somebody on the Royal Royal, um, Royal Banks of Missouri text line mentioned it, and I forgot. What an- are, an- now, another food: toasted ravioli, gooey, gooey butter, butter cake. cake, St. Paul sandwiches, and pork steaks. And uh, it slipped my mind. Those yeah. are the four that I think. When you go to other cities, people are like, "I'm sorry, what? What? I remember a guy moving to Kansas City telling me he moved to Kansas City." Goes into a supermarket in Kansas City, Missouri. Brand new married, 22, got his first job at a bank. Goes in and he goes up to the butcher counter at the supermarket and said, I'd like some pork steaks. And this guy looks at him and gives him some pork chops. Right. He goes, no, no, pork steaks. This guy's like, uh, he goes, hang on. And he goes in the back. He said some older butcher walks out, looks at him. He goes, you're from St. Louis, ain't (laughs) you? And went and cut them off the pork butt. the rump, the pork uh-huh. butt. Cut them some pork steaks, and he goes, "You don't have them." He goes, "Nobody's got those, son." I You're tried from to St. get Louis. them in yeah. Sarasota once, and they gave me the same look. There was a story that I wrote about years ago when I was doing a story with the late Joe Bonwich about St. Mm. Louis unique foods, and a guy talked about how he got a job with some company, and he was like real big, like executive vice president. He was in Philadelphia or Pittsburgh, would send Takuna meat order pork steaks frozen to send and had a barbecue for the company and had to get like 200 pork steaks. He goes, people loved them, but they were like, what is this? You know. Now, do you like them barbecued so they're <clears throat> the consistency of steak or do you like them fall off the bone, smoked for a long time? I like them barbecued where you burn the fat on them so mm-hmm. the fat's almost black crispy, but still a little tender on the inside, slathered in St. Louis-style barbecue sauce. 
Rib tips, says somebody from the 314. Actually, quite a few people talked about ribs. Uh, and somebody said another thing that is uniquely St. Louis is the derogatory term Hoosier. My best friend's from Indiana always called herself the Hoosier. Well, see, and as I say, the, the word is not unique to St. Louis. The way we use it is unique. And ribs, ribs are everywhere. Right. The only right. difference is how you cook them. Now, we a different cut of ribs. St. Louis uses the spare ribs. People use baby backs. But even in St. Louis now, you're seeing... A Which is St. Louis style? Is that the? It's a spare rib. It's it's a it's the longer rib, and they cut that flap of skin off. Mm-hmm. But it's not the baby backs, and they're called. Some places will call them St. Louis St. spare Louis. ribs. Yeah, you know, because when I was a kid, we, I remember my mom and dad called them spare ribs. Mm-hmm. And now it's all baby back, which is supposed to be a better cut. Did you ever wrap them in foil and put them in the slow cooker? Uh, I mean, I've had them like that. No, my dad would They're just still... out on the grill. Yeah, I'll eat them. I mean, if you, if you don't have the grill. Uh, from the 618, my cousins moved to Georgia 40 years ago. They still have to explain to butchers how to cut a pork steak. Oh, we forgot Ted Drew's. Okay, frozen custard. But frozen custard, you can get everywhere. And, and they were one of the pioneers of it. Yes. I, I mean, what I, we were talking about was... You foods you can't find anywhere, right? Else, you know, and toasted raviolis, and, I, and you know, I just don't understand gooey butter. I would have thought that would have been a national craze the minute everybody found out about it. Well, I think so too, but it it has some notoriety. Paula Dean right. had a gooey butter cake recipe, and then there's this woman called the Cake Doctor who I interviewed over the years. So she's a national cookbook writer, and she writes about gooey butter cake. But yeah, it's not like here. Yeah, I, I, I mean, again with Kansas City, I remember one of the people who worked for the Kansas City Board of Tourism would come to St. Louis every year to, you know, talk to the press to, you know, what's going on in Kansas City this summer. And she would go to a bakery and buy about a half dozen of them because her mother, her aunt said, you better bring me back a gooey butter cake because they were not available in Kansas right, City. And here and this in, was 10 years ago. Yeah, in St. Louis, you can buy gooey butter cake mix yeah. from Park Avenue Coffee in there and some grocery stores. And I'm sure you cannot buy that in, in other cities. Right, and it was an accident, sort of like toasted ravioli. It was an accident that toasted raviolis ever came about. Uh, trying to find out this story when we, it was uh, Joe and I were working on it, people on the hill said it was is that one of the waiters came back and said, drop me an order of ravioli, meaning boil me some ravioli. And the guy who was working the fryer thought he was talking to him with some kids. So he took ravioli, dumped it in the fryer, puts it out on a plate. And they're like, what is this? Well, all mistakes get eaten yes. by waiters. Oh, <laughs> So they just stuck it up on the, the, you know, and said, here, eat this. And they're like, this is pretty good, you know, and that's how that dish came and about. That was an accident. I thought gooey butter cake was an accident, that a baker forgot the flour. Well, change, the, what I heard was if it was two parts flour, one part butter, they, they mixed it. it and made two parts butter, one part flour, and then went, hey, this ain't bad. And there's cream cheese in there. Well, And then, <laughs> then there's a bunch of powdered sugar. <laughs> there's nothing not to like in a gooey butter cake. Okay, ask for a stolen anywhere other than St. Louis, and they do not know what it is. Very German term. Hmm. Uh, now, I I thought other people had heard of that. I heard, Yeah, I mean, I heard that the reason we have pork steaks uh, it was the story we got was is that because of our heavy German population, there used to be a dish called Swiss steak, which I've was heard of pork, that. and it had tomatoes and peppers mm-hmm. on it, and you simmered it, cooked it in the oven. And so St. Louis butchers would slice off 
what normally in other cities goes into sausage, the pork butt. Mm -hmm. And so when I was doing a story about sausage makers, said that normally in other cities, that chunk of pig goes into the sausage. But in St. Louis, the butchers were slicing it off to make this dish called Swiss steak that Germans in St. Louis liked. Then someone just took one of those steaks one time, threw it on a grill, and, pork and steaks voila, pork steaks were born. Were born. <laughs> <laughs> we are coming up on Top of the Hour News with Jim Fairchild and more from ABC. When we come back, we'll chat with Mercedes McKay and Travis Cummings from KSDK. This is the Big 550 KTRS, St. Louis. This is Jennifer Blom and Wendy Weiss You're a pal and a on KTRS. And if you threw a party. Brought to you by STL Medical Weight Loss. See the Dr. Joe difference at STLMedWeightLoss.com. Welcome to the second hour of the Jennifer and Wendy Show on this Wednesday, February 28th. Wendy Weiss off today, Joe Holloman filling in. And we've heard from so many of you, you know, Art Holiday did this show for a couple of years with me, and everybody's always saying, bring back Art, bring back Art. He claims he's busy running the newsroom. Wearing his Lululemons. Yes. And so Art is very proud of people he has hired, and I would agree. And we are joined by Mercedes McKay and Travis Cummings. They're two anchors on KSTK who you can see on the weekends at 6 a.m. and 9 a.m. and also during the week. Welcome. Yeah, yes, thank, thank you, you for you so having much. us. Now, Mercedes, let's start with you. How long have you been at KSTK and what's your connection to St. Louis? Yes, so I've been there about a year and a half now. Um, my connection to St. Louis, I went to Mizzou. Very proud Missouri Tiger. I have a tiger onesie. I was a tour guide. I loved Mizzou. So I have a lot of friends still in St. Louis and a lot of friends in Kansas City as well. Missouri always felt like home. So I started in Little Rock, Arkansas after I graduated from Mizzou. And then St. Louis came around and I came here. So it's just been amazing. Where's your family? My family's in, I'm from Sugar Land, Texas, which sounds made up. People are like, is that Candyland? It doesn't sound real. Well, I did hear you say y'all the other day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's bad. I need to shop it a little. But it's right outside Houston. So I grew up in Houston, but my parents live in Austin now. So Texas girl at heart, but I've been in the Midwest for so long. It's my home. And Travis, you're from New Orleans? That's right. So Ooh. a different type of y'all. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and how long have you been at KSDK? So I've been at KSDK for two years and some months now. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, on the other hand, had no connection to St. Louis, Missouri. It was never on my radar. <laughs> uh, after starting in Rapid City, South Dakota, because that's where I started my career, uh, two and a half years spent there, went to Chattanooga, Tennessee after that for a couple of years, and kind of COVID kind of overshadowed that. Mm. And then St. Louis came calling, and I've fallen in love with it. Love well, the Lou. Well, and I got to tell you, you said that what I love Rapid City, South Dakota. <laughs> I've never been. I do. Well, it's close to the Badlands. Yeah. Which is one of the most gorgeous places on earth. So, I I mean, I wouldn't want to live there. A little Mm -hmm. cold for my taste. But as far as visiting Rapid City, South Dakota, I love that town. But let me tell you, the people that are from Rapid City, I mean, they are so proud to be from there. I mean, there's so much that you can see the Badlands. There's Deadwood, South Dakota. There is Mount Rushmore. A lot of people, that's the only thing they know. You know, you see that in your social studies books. You're like, oh, I know that Mount Rushmore is there. So, uh, but it's really cool to just watch. Like, I've never thought I would cover, like, the Buffalo Roundup and the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally. So, it's really, it's really neat stuff that come out of that state. So, And Travis, what was your career path? When did you know you wanted to go into journalism? 
Absolutely not. So I studied at Spring Hill College in Mobile, Alabama. I went in and did what 80% of the class does, and that's think you're going to be a doctor. So you <laughs> you go into bio pre-med. So I started studying that, and then all it took was a chemistry class and a couple of months to, to give me an epiphany. And I was up to like 3 o'clock in the morning working on a chem problem. I said, absolutely not. Not for the next decade of my life. Switched to communication arts and concentrated in journalism. And I used to be up editing videos for hours. And you were happy. And I felt it. I was like, oh, my God, this is where I need to be. Mm-hmm. I love that. What about you, Mercedes? Unlike Travis, never thought I was going to be a doctor. <laughs> never crossed my mind. Don't have the brain. In school, I always loved writing. And my dad's in radio. Um, oh, he is. Yes, so I Tell grew us up, more. Yes, I grew up in the media business. He's on the sales side um, and now is a general manager. But I just grew up in this element. Like, mm. you know, I would come to the radio station and get giddy um, and see everything <laughs> and see the microphones and thought it was so cool. So in high school, I told my dad, I grew up also in a news family in terms of we always had the local news on. And I told my dad, I want to do reporting. He's like, okay, well, we need to send you to the best um, university, you're going to be stuck in Midland, Texas all your life. He's like, this business is not easy, and you need we need to get you in the best place possible. Did your parents think of this when they gave you the very TV-savvy name of Mercedes McKay? Honestly, kind of hopeful, because my great? sister has a beautiful name, too, but it's Mariah, and she's an accountant, and I think they knew what they were doing <laughs> with Mercedes. <laughs> so it kind of all worked out, but interestingly enough, I actually wanted to be a sports reporter, it's just me and my sister, and I'm the younger one, so my dad kind of made me his boy, I like to say. <laughs> Taught me everything he knows about sports, and I grew up in a very sports town for Do you Houston. play sports, or did you? I did growing up, and then I chose dance in high school. I was one mm-hmm. of those people that played dance, volleyball, basketball, soccer, and then my parents were like, you need to slow down. Pick one. <laughs> but always loved sports, so I went to Mizzou, wanting to do sports. Was at KOMU, the station there, doing sports on TV. I, when I look back at that as an 18-year-old, I look disgusting. It's so bad. My blazers are 10 times too big. It's atrocious. And I'm like, welcome to sports. And I'm like shaking. But then it was actually an uh, internship at a station in Houston, the NBC station in Houston, over my sophomore year of college. And I did sports. The Astros were winning the World Series. The Rockets were great. Texans are now finally good. But that's when I knew I didn't want to do sports. I was like, mm. oh, I cannot do this the rest of my life. My love for it had gone away. Mm. So I switched to news my, like, senior year. And now, do you both have a favorite topic that you like to cover? And I don't know if you get to choose to do your own stories or if you just cover things that are breaking news. What about you, Travis? Well, as you know, a part of it is autonomy, right? You know, mm-hmm. we do have a voice in the newsroom, uh, but when things break, they just break. Uh, but, no, I love being in the underserved communities. Um, you know, being a black journalist in this era, you know, it's really cool to be able to make a decision about what you want to cover and, you know, be able to tell, you know, the executive producers and um, you know, our assignment managers, hey, like we need to be out there, you know, where my people live and where their experiences are. And so I love covering, um, you know, those stories that you, you typically talk about in your living room. Um, and, you know, you're wondering if the news station is ever going to show up to cover it, you know. And so when I go there and I, I connect with these people and then I'm able to follow up with them a year later, um, I think those are great stories. I love uh, stories that allow me to just dive in and be myself. You know, St. Louis is a great sports scene, obviously. Uh, I love being thrown into those types of stories. Uh, anytime there's a big celebration, Mardi Gras, love that. That's where you're going to see me shine. Yeah, so. I was going to say, you probably have experience oh, with yeah. Mardi Gras that the rest of us <laughs> do not. Mercedes, what about do you? Do you have a beat that you like better than 
or type of story? My favorite's education. Um, my family, extended family, comes from a lot of educators. I actually knew if I didn't want to do journalism, I wanted to be a teacher. Um, they're so important, and they shape you know, everyone's life. Everyone has that one teacher. And I know that a lot of education stories serve our whole community. Mm -hmm. There is someone watching where it's like, okay, how is this going to affect my kid? Whether Mm -hmm. it's a positive education story or a negative one. um, I just think those are so important to tell. And I try to tell them as often as I can. Do your peers watch local television news at your age, in your age group? Mine don't, except... (laughs) Uh, when I came here, they started to. Uh, my friends that are here, they'll be like, oh, we turned on you and Travis this weekend. So that's kind of helpful. Most of my friends, I've either geared them towards trying to at least turn on their local news for the importance. But I think it's the way of the world that everyone our age, especially, gets all their news off social media. Yeah. Joe and I have talked about this. I felt uh, heartened to see all the young people at Channel 5 who have chosen to go into the business. But it wouldn't surprise me if your peer group does not watch local news. How about you, Travis? Yeah, for sure. I think we're definitely the turning point for a lot of people in our age group, you know, because they have a reason to watch now, you know. And that's really cool uh, because I think, you know, news directors can take a page out of our holidays book uh, with seeing young talent and really, you know, attracting them and and also attracting their families and their friends because we get out to tell a story and say, hey, guys, like, no, there's some real value in local television news now. You know, yeah, you can get us on, you know, digital, but it's something special about being able to wake up and see the person that, you know, you've you've listened to for for more than two decades. Well, they used to say to us that it took five years for the viewing audience to connect with the person and not want them to leave. And we often hear from people in our age group, why do the young people not stay longer? Right. Mm. And I know that is important to Art, to hope that people come here and find roots in St. Louis and want to stay here because, I mean, they always say it, but it's true, right, Joe? Great place to buy a house, raise a child. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't want to go down the road because I think a lot of it has to do with the business model of the people who own newspapers and television stations. Yes, the money and the hedge Younger employees are cheaper than older employees. (laughs) And I don't mean to be be rude, but we all start somewhere. But some people, uh, I think there used to be an appreciation for people staying 15, 20 years, where I think now a lot of times management is more than willing to have a recycling Mm. of people because honestly, it it cuts costs. And I mean, I make no friends when I talk to management, and this is what we were talking before. This is where my union side comes out. Joe's the union student. Oh, there you go. Compared to management, but it's cheaper to hire younger people. It's just Mm -hmm. that simple because younger people are looking to get started in the business, and what they're going to do is look for a place where they can make more money. It's just the the nature of the thing. And if that organization, whether it's television, newspapers, radio – decides we're not going to pay this much, that person moves on, you hire somebody else in. And that causes an inconsistency or at least a uh, a, a turnover that and we the, used to not get 25 years ago. viewers don't feel as connected mm-hmm. right, if there's right. somebody new on it. Right. And I think uh, another part of it, too, is like investment in other ways. It's even beyond money because I know, you know, here in St. Louis, for the first time in my career, I feel still. And that's because we have a newsroom that's supportive of our, our outside 
you know, interest, you know, like I love theater. You know, I grew up in theater. That's my hobby. That's my therapy outside of this business. And so when I talked to management about, hey, I want to do a show, you know, did The Color Purple last year, you know, they were all for it. You know, we, we got the schedule together. I was able to do that show. Well, and listen so I'm to like, this from the 314. I love Travis. I met him briefly after watching him in The Color Purple last year. He was wonderful in that show Aww. and very friendly to me afterwards from the 314. I enjoy watching Mercedes and Travis. Uh, Mike from accounting said, hey, 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 take it easy on accounting. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Mike from accounting. Uh, from, we need you. From Milstadt, my husband and I love these two. Uh, from the 314, does Mercedes remember when she did jumping jacks with the Rittner High football team? I do. Was that it was so much fun. <laughs> that was, oh my goodness, those were so much fun. When I used to work the morning shows on Friday, we would go out to high schools. Yes. And I ran around. Rittner actually was the best school district in terms of their, like, electricity. We're asking these kids to get up at 5 a.m. <laughs> on a Friday night football game day. And they're jumping jacks. I was sprinting. I was catching footballs. Oh, my God. That was amazing. They lifted me in the air. I had one team lift me in the air. Can you believe it? Oh, never thought that that would happen. Okay, tell us more about the color purple. So this was local community? Yeah, so this was was the the Hawthorne players Mm -hmm. through, uh, that's out of Florissant. And so we showed at the James Egan Civic Center out in Florissant, which is uh, where I live, my neighborhood. And, um, yes, I mean, just everybody embraced us. We had a five-day run. We sold out. It was, like, one of the highest-selling shows that they had had in years. Uh, People know The Color Purple. They love the story. They love Alice Walker. Um, and, of course, it was so timely because they did the adaptation, you know, this year mm. with the, the the on-screen musical. Uh, but, yeah, it was so fun to be back on stage. I hadn't done a show in four years. but He's amazing. Just... <laughs> I was like, oh, God gave him everything. <laughs> you know, some people where you're like, wait, what can well, you not do? <laughs> except the one thing. I always figured that, that, that journalism would be barren if it wouldn't be that at some point in time we all realized – we're not good at math or science. Oh, yeah. There you go. And, you, know, we, 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 you know, I mean, I think I wanted to be an astronaut. You know, yeah. so what do I got to take? Astrophysics. Okay, this isn't going to work. You know, and then you go, how about journalism? Mm-hmm. You know, and then uh, you get into it and you find out what you love. Yeah, yes. I mean, right. I've always, that's why, because, you know, we always used to have a thing is in the newsroom is somebody will be watching something and somebody will, like, sound an alarm and go, journalists doing math, you know, warning, warning. Is <laughs> like, Fractions, you know, that's not how our brain works. No, not at all. Um, From the three one four, thank you, Jennifer, having for having Mercedes and Travis on. I enjoy them and watch every day, and especially their anchoring on the weekends. Okay, let's talk about schedules. Sleep schedules. I'm always obsessed with everybody's sleep schedules. I have been ever since I was sleep deprived. About 40-some years yeah. ago. Wait. Travis Mercedes. and I are doing four 10-hour shifts. Um, so I work Saturday to Tuesday, and Travis works Thursday to Sunday. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Even that math was too much for me. <laughs> I'm like, days of the week. Um, so we are anchoring on the weekends where we'll get up, you know, 2, 3 a.m., and then we anchor Turn a story day side. And then during the week, we're getting up all morning long on today in St. Louis, starting at like 4 a.m. And then mm-hmm. we turn a story day side. So I think um, <laughs> sleep schedule is a little rough. Um, all my friends are, are like, especially on Tuesday nights, which is my Friday, they're like, did you take a nap? If, like, I'm going to dinner, because they're like, sometimes I just could fall asleep at a table. Understood. It's like sitting up. Yeah. So it's it's taken a big adjustment And for mind me you, we are the pilots for this 10-hour schedule, so we're the pilot journalists. They uh, said, let's take the two Energizer bunnies <laughs> the and most see what we can do. 
I was you just going to say, I mean, many, I, I'm getting overdosed on energy. <laughs> I know. But I'll tell you, many, many years ago. So stop it. Uh, the, the photogs had that schedule. Oh. And they yeah. didn't like it. Mm. They, they went back. Okay, I'm a longtime journalism teacher, says somebody from the 314. I would like to replay this segment for my students. Will this be available online? Yes, it will. Aww. Go to KTRS.com. Connor will put it online a little bit later today. Thanks for watching. Uh, from the 314, tell us more about Art Holiday's mentoring of you. Oh. You guys go first, and then I'll tell you a story. <laughs> <laughs> you can go. Sure, I'll start, you know. Again, uh, St. Louis was nowhere on my radar uh, uh, in this business when I was looking for it. It was obviously I had uh, it was in between Greensboro, North Carolina, which our company owned the station there. And then St. Louis came calling as well. Uh, But, you know, art ushered me in so wonderfully. I came to St. Louis to visit before I took the job. We spent a whole day together. I mean, literally a whole day. We went to a cards game where we sat in the KSDK box. And so I'm like, okay, they are really putting in work to get me here. You know, um, he took That's me That's the to... last time you'll ever see yeah. that box. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but no, he was just really so, so open with his story and his journey. Um, you know, and he told me about all the possibilities, you know, here in St. Louis and... Uh, the beautiful people here, the beautiful spaces, and and just really so much to do. And, you know, if this is somewhere you want a lifelong career, this is the place for you. Um, So share the good, the bad, the ugly about St. Louis. And so when you you have a boss that's approaching you um, and and willing to be that transparent, it's like, why not trust this person, you know? That's uh, wonderful. Mercedes? I had heard his name just from a lot of my friends being from St. Louis. Mizzou. Um, Mizzou. And I remember when I was going through, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm like auditioning or applying to KSDK. And my friends were like, oh, my goodness, my family only watches KSDK. And I was like, yeah, I'm interviewing with Art Holiday. My friends literally freaked <laughs> out. They were like, wait, is he going to be your boss? He's like a celebrity. And I was like, yeah, I'm interviewing him with that. Should I be scared? They were like, you, he was so funny. You should look up. Him and Jennifer on the morning show, and I YouTube y'all before our interview. Oh, yeah. Y'all. And Jess, yeah, y'all. <laughs> y'all. <laughs> YouTubed y'all before our interview, and I just, it was just like a compilation of y'all cracking up. And I was like, this is amazing. And then our interview was like an hour and a half long. And I think it was more so because him and I were just talking, and I was just blown away by it. He meets with all of us once a month, yes. whether it's we want him to go over a story um, or whether it's we just are like, hey, this isn't working for me. He's very much an open-door policy type manager, and he really does care about molding us. Uh, how about the two of you working together for the first time? <laughs> I mean, did they, did they just – Obviously, Art probably saw something here, but what was what was it like for the two of you? Well, it was so funny because when they announced it, Travis had been weekend anchoring for a month at by that myself, point, by himself, yes, alone. And then when they announced that they were bringing me on and they wanted to do co-anchors again, people kept saying. Oh my goodness, this was meant to be. Like, y'all are going to be yeah, perfect together. Yeah. And Travis and I are like, we think so. We were like acquaintances at work. Right, yeah. Um, and then after the first day, I remember being like, oh, this is it. I was like, this is a match made in news from heaven. Yeah, absolutely. I was it's like, so and, fun. And it's Art so knew what cool. he was doing. Yeah, and you know, we go into work, we're so eager to go. We text each other, you know, often, you know, throughout the week, even when we're not on the clock. Oh, you know? I'll text and him Saturday morning. Joe, don't you love this news <laughs> and exuberance and hopefulness? nature i feel exuberant now <laughs> i'm ju- yeah i'm just a newspaper guy and i hate all, I hate all of it but no. it, it's like with the young sherlock holmes it's like this is the new art and jen you know because because when i'm always on when i would when 
it, it's funny when you say that because when I would uh, for a while I covered. I believe actually I wrote a short item when you came to town. I had a column yeah. that covered media, and um, people genuinely loved Art Holiday and Jennifer Blome mm-hmm. together. I mean, it was like a team, mm-hmm. and uh, I think you can put people together who can work together, uh, and they do well. They're professionals, sure. but then there's something that you can't. You can guess at it, or you get a feel, and maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. And when it works, it's magic. And with with Art and Jennifer, they just went together, and they 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 it, it seemed like they they played off of each other well. It just seemed natural, and you can't make that happen. You can hope it happened, and I guess Art well, it, recognized it in these. Days. It has happened with Travis Cummings and Mercedes McKay. I'm so sorry we're out of time because we have lots of questions and comments <laughs> about the two of you. Aww. Thank you so much for joining us on KTRS, and I hope you'll come back. And everybody, yeah. you can watch Travis and Mercedes on Saturday mornings at 6 a.m. and 9 a.m. and Sunday mornings at 6 and 9 and then throughout the week. Yes. Thank Thanks you all so us. much. Good luck, guys. Thank, Thank you. you so much. We'll be back in a moment. Okay, we've been talking about age, presidential candidates, age in general. So our song of the day is by the Rolling Stones. New music, angry, new-ish. I saw one recently where he's dancing in a dance studio and he's playing soccer at the same time. All this lateral movement and he's 80 years old. Whoa. Well, and you know, and, and I, it certainly it, it, he is a testament to working out and staying in shape. Then there's Keith Richards. But he's still alive. Who spends, it seems, most of his time drinking beer and smoking cigarettes, <laughs> who's only six months younger than uh, than Mick. You know, and it, world's greatest rock and roll band. Yes. So I'm a big fanboy. So you get me started on the Rolling Stones, I could go till the one o'clock hour. I am too. On but the Stones, I came to the party late. Here's our uh, quote of the day: Our minds should never be a place to store garbage. Just keep that in mind as you walk through the day. Whatever you say to yourself does have an effect. The Piccadilly at Manhattan was part of Carnival. I don't know if you all were there, but if you've never been to the Piccadilly at Manhattan, you probably got a chance to sample their food. They're in the city of St. Louis. It's right next to Maplewood. And Nick and Maggie and Molly uh, have had the restaurant in the family for a long time. It's actually the oldest operating restaurant in the city of St. Louis. The food's great. In fact, we'll be there in April celebrating the KTRS anniversary as we always do. And they have something new at the Piccadilly called the Piccadilly at Home this year. So you walk in the restaurant. There's a freezer case right when you walk in. You can take home their food, fresh or frozen. And Nick and Maggie are so cute. They've been married for 53 years. He had a long career in grocery management. And uh, they're kind of competitive when it comes to food. So we are the lucky recipients of that. 
And you can pick up fresh or frozen soup, specials, desserts, enchiladas, lasagna, sausages. I mean, their food is out of this world. I meet with them once a season. We go to Forest Park to welcome spring, summer, fall, and winter. We toast. And Nick usually brings some homemade food. And, oh, man, it is great. Just great. I'm just waiting for him to have a pot pie eating contest. <laughs> well, maybe they will. I will be there. Yeah, the Piccadilly at Manhattan. You can call them 314-646-0016 or look them up online, thepiccadilly.com. We didn't get a chance to ask Travis and Mercedes their top five favorite places in St. Louis. You know, the gems. We were talking about that earlier. Yeah, you know, with, with, uh, yeah because they're basically out-of-town folks. They, mm-hmm. they didn't grow up here. Right. You know, we we St. Louisans tend to uh, forget the cool stuff we yeah, have. Yeah, I so think it's, that's it, true. It's nice when you talk to people who have been here a year or two, what impresses you. Right. About, you know, I remember when everybody talks about, the you know, going up in the arch. Oh. I didn't go up in the arch until I was a teenager. It was I like thought always, they did that in elementary schools. Our elementary schools. never had a field trip to the arch. Hmm. And it was always one of those things, well, we can go there next year. Mm-hmm. We can go there next year. And I think I was finally a teenager, like 15, and it had been open since I was seven. And I went up once, and then I didn't go up again. You know, I was like, you know, and so many people would go, I didn't go there till we had cousins in from out of town. Right. You know, because I think the Gateway Arch is the single most awesome thing about St. Louis. I, I do, too. And when I first moved here, I think I went to the Arch half a dozen times in the first month yeah, with all yeah. different people who visited. Connor, did you go on school field trips to the Arch? Yeah, I think that's the only time I've ever been yeah. was a field trip. Yeah. So I've never been just on my own. I, I should go. And now that it's they've amazing. renovated yeah. the whole yeah. the whole park. Well, Andy Cohen once on his uh, What Happens Live show had a drawing of the Arch, like a sketch, and he showed it to these Hollywood actors. They had no idea what it was. He's like, do you know what this is? <laughs> it is, in my opinion, the finest monument, not just in the United States, in the entire world. I have I, two, I think it is a gorgeous work of art. The Eiffel Tower, I think, is amazing, mm-hmm. and the Arch. Now, there's that, in Australia, there is a, like an opera house. Right, the Sydney Opera House. Yes, which looks All really, up there, and I, I would put the Arch up against yeah. all of them, and I think what I like best about it is, is St. Louis, which is known as being this Stayed conservative, take no chances town. Somewhere, God bless whoever behind choosing Eero Saarinen's design, because all the other designs were clunky. Well, they looked like monuments. Yeah. They, they looked like what you expected from a monument. And then here is this soaring abstract almost in the early, late 50s, early 60s, and that someone had the foresight. To choose that, I find amazing, and I never am not impressed when I go by the arch. I can't not look at it, you know, and so many things you think, oh, I, I'm used to that. You know, okay, that's there. I mean, people talk about the glory of Forest Park, which I also agree. Forest Park is amazing, but I've been there so many times. I can take it, it. I can take it for granted. Right. I never take the arch for granted. Yeah. We, we were talking about, about this, your five favorite things about St. Louis, and the arch would be number one. We need to take a break here, but 84126, we'd love to hear from you. Back in a moment. Joe Holliman wrote a story in 2006, was yep. it? The yep. Seven Wonders of St. Louis? St. Louis, yeah. We, what and were we, they? We, and we had people write in, you know, uh-huh. and we gave them a list of possibilities. And uh, number one was the Gateway Arch, yeah. a, a runaway 
number one. And Connor said they talked about this on Heidi's show. The Arch was the final Jeopardy answer last week. Uh, yeah, and none of them got it right, I believe. Wow. Mm. So number, maybe it's not as known. Well, maybe. it's a shame. Yeah. It's a shame because I think it's gorgeous. And number two, and I think not only because of its structures, but also its use, Forest Park. Yes. It's bigger than Central Park. Which people are always surprised about. You know, that's one of the things when you tell that, most people would say, well, Central Park is bigger. No, it's not. Mm-hmm. Forest Park is bigger. Plus, so many things in it are free. So it's not just the buildings, but you can go and spend a day at the park and go to the zoo. Art museum, and the art museum, museum. And not spend a dime, mm-hmm. you know, which is, is wonderful for families. Um, number three was Missouri Botanical Garden. Or as some folks mm-hmm. called it, Shaw's Garden. Right. If you're an old St. Louis and like myself, it's Shaw's yeah. Garden. Uh, uh, number four was the Fox Theater. Number five was Union Station. Mm. How about the Muni? Number six, well, I think that was all in Forest oh, okay. Park. okay, yeah, yeah. Number six was the New Cathedral uh, on Lindell. And number seven, one that people forget about, and mainly because of its uh, architectural and engineering significance, the Eads Bridge. Mm. As far as it's – when I did the story, it wasn't just which are the prettiest or what are your favorite sites. It was, what are the things that – like if you were doing a national preservation of a historic sites in the East Bridge, like according to engineering societies, quite revolutionary for its time. Yeah. So I those were the city seven. museum – and I meant to I, – I always try to suggest that to people who are in town like for the Fox or something. It's just so unusual. Of the new – and then I did – you know, because I've done so many stories like this. But when I was back in features, uh, when it came to like the best tourist attractions, the top ten things you would take people to, mm-hmm. City Museum and Bush Stadium always got thrown in for a Cardinals game. This right. is St. Louis. Yes, right. right you know, right. so those were part of it. But, I mean, the Arch, when I remember doing it in 2006 – it was a far away winner for number one, and Forest Park was a far away number two. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, quite interesting because the Gateway Arch, also the symbol for St. Louis, used to be the statue of St. Louis in front of the art museum. And that was what a lot of companies would use as their emblem to say they were from St. Louis. It all changed by about 1965, and everything became an arch. Gateway to the West. Gateway yeah. this or arch that. So Yeah. Why did they change the name from Shaw's Garden to Missouri Botanical Garden? I'm 60 years old from St. Louis. I don't remember, says somebody from the 314. I don't, did they officially change it, or we just called it Shaw's Garden because of Henry Shaw? And I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know why. I mean, I, I, it, was, it, was, it could have been Missouri Botanical Garden the whole time. But it also has a much more uh, international feel. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, most places have like, you know, the Cincinnati Botanical Garden. You know, it gives you that bigger feel. And it became uh, much more of a world class. When I was a kid, it was kind of seemed unknown outside of St. Louis. And then all of a sudden, Dr. Peter Raven uh, did a lot of internationally acclaimed work and brought a lot of attention. So probably a better branding Uh, in the modern term. You know, we always go to the Garden Glow. I I never get tired of that in the winter. I think it's so great. I have never been to the Orchid Show. And I always say every year, I want to go to the Orchid Show. I watch the video on TV, and then I never get around to going. I'm not the target audience for flower shows. Uh, Do you garden? I mean, you have a house, a yard? you mean like digging the yard? No. Do you cut the grass? Yes. That's different. Do you enjoy it? Uh, I used to a lot. I used to find now I'm just old and crabby and I'm tired of mowing lawns. I've been doing it since I was 12 years old. Was that your first job? Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know about job. My mom and dad weren't paying me. I think it was kind of in lieu of charging you rent. 
Boy, yeah. get out there and mow that lawn. But so, I didn't know, you know if you did other people's lawns oh, yeah, or like yeah. shovel snow. Oh, absolutely. We used to get the shovels out and we couldn't wait for the snow to hit. And when we were 16, get out to the cars and we'd head to the rich neighborhoods and try to be the first one there because they would pay 10 or $15 in my neighborhood. You were lucky to get five bucks for a driveway. So I think that has changed. I don't think kids come around anymore to shovel oh. your driveway or your sidewalks. I have been in the house I'm in now like around roughly 15 years, 18 years. I've had one kid in that whole time, one kid asked to help me do leaves and one snow. And the snow one was 10 years ago. Why? Do they not need the money or it's just no longer safe to go up to somebody's? I mean, obviously, they don't sell Girl Scout cookies door to door unless you know your neighbors. And then usually the parent will come with the child. A lot of them sell them online. I think you've probably hit two good reasons. People don't want their children going up to strange doors, which we used to do all the all time. The just time. <laughs> not, and as a reporter, I've knocked on so many doors in my life. But not anymore, right? I'm much more careful about it than I used to be. The random knocking on doors, something that I do a whole lot less. But I think that's too. And, then, and I like to say, being the old curmudgeon, that kids these days just aren't as tough as we were. But I think they also <laughs> don't need money. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I, I mean, I think parents give their kids money. I mean, and... I got an allowance, mm-hmm. but it wasn't a stipend. I had to do stuff. Yeah, we, and, we were like that, too. And if I didn't do it, I didn't get the money. It wasn't like you get $5 a week. That was to take out the trash in these various and sundry. Right. Didn't take out the trash. Money got subtracted from that total. So very early on, I realized if I want money in my pocket that I can spend when I want to, go mow some lawns, go shovel some snow, you know, I mean, and a lot of times until recently, I figured I don't need some kid to do it. I'm still in shape to but do it. But shoveling snow, you got to be a little careful. I know I, you're in good cardio shape. You know what right? I, I mean? You're bike, you bike tens of miles. And, <laughs> but still, they say shoveling snow, we should all just be careful. Well, and I don't, I don't like shoveling. Out of all those things, I like shoveling snow the least, but only because if it's snowing, it means it's cold, and I hate cold weather. <laughs> There's nothing good about winter. You grew up here. You're a Packers fan. I know. See, I like the cold. Oh. Connor, where do you stand on this? Uh, on the cold? Yeah. Uh-huh. I, I do like the cold. I like the weather today. It was a good, good yeah, day today it. walking out. Uh, I think part of the problem, I, do you offer the kids more money now with, you know? Sure, sure. I, uh, you know, it was $10 back in the day, and I, I bet you still offer $10 now, right? I do it myself. So I tell the kids. Yeah. I, I'm still good enough to do it myself. But so but $10 for a kid, what's that buying them now? You know, way back in your day, you know, it would buy whatever. <laughs> well, it would buy a lot more than it bought now. So now $10 for a kid, maybe they say, well, First counter, I, I was no idiot. This. I nailed down the price before I shoveled. I mean, right. you know. So have you kept up with inflation? So have you kept up with inflation? <laughs> oh, if, if they came to you and said, I want $35 to shovel this driveway, would you do it? Well, no, because I can still shovel my driveway. But, yeah, no, I understand the prices go up. The concept. You know, it's not like I'm still complaining about gas being over a dollar a gallon, Connor. (laughs) Okay? I mean, you know, I am in the news business. We try to stay current. Uh, But I just think – but they're not even coming around. You know, that's the thing. We used to – it used to be a competitive thing. I remember I lived in an area that was kind of an oval subdivision. And I remember when some other kid on the other side of that oval found out he was going around – 
And then one summer, I had to do Mr. Wright's lawn for the same price that I'd done it for the two years before because the other kid was asking for $7, 10 if he trimmed. I still had to do it for 5 because I didn't want to lose the account. You didn't raise your prices? I couldn't because this kid was, you know, <laughs> running around promising all kinds of stuff. I'll sweep. I mean, you know. I mean, you got to sell your work, right? Oh, you can pay less for a lesser uh, cut and trim if you want. I just wanted the money. I just, you know, so we would go out. But the snow was the good one. And what we would do is we would go to this area that we knew was people who were St. Louis Hills. Oh, sure. They're fairly well off and older. So and they needed you. We would be there, but you had to be. You didn't want to be too early because that's rude. Mm-hmm. Okay, you don't want to be knocking at somebody's door at six thirty in the morning. So about eight thirty, you figured is the prime time, and we'd get out there, and there would be other kids. We could see them <laughs> working it, and we'd be out there. And I remember one day, so we were down. Now we were teenagers, so we weren't little kids. We were seventeen, eighteen, nineteen years old, and we each made a hundred dollars in a morning. We made two hundred bucks. But we were 19. We could take care of a driveway pretty quick, yeah. two 19-year-old boys. And we end up about 1 o'clock in the afternoon with $100 each in our pocket. <laughs> it was like, Katie, bar the door. you know. I mean? <laughs> uh, from the 314, my 13-year-old grandson went around the neighborhood with a friend shoveling driveways with the last snow. They charged $15, but people usually gave them more. Yeah. It's yeah. like my great auntie used to send us... Christmas presents, like $5 for 20 years. <laughs> so, you know, when you're five, six, and seven, it's really exciting. And then 17, 18, it's like, well, it's still a nice it's, start. And it's still five bucks. Yes, $5. And I didn't have $5. to do anything for right. it. Like to to this very day, anybody who wants to come up and hand me $5, feel You'll free. Take it. I'll take it. Right. You know, so. Well, we used to all have to do chores and got paid, but then I would do my siblings' chores for them. And get their money? Plus a slight increase yeah, from well, them. Sure. Like, you want me to get up in the morning and go out and feed the animals in the snow in Cleveland, Ohio? I'll do it. I'll take your allowance plus 5%. I like the way you Because I didn't mind the cold or getting up early. And I wrote their thank you notes at Christmas, but I charged them because we were not allowed to play with any of our toys until the thank you notes were written. And Santa somehow always left us. I know this is old school, and as I age, I'm trying to embrace change and drop all expectations including about thank you notes, but I personalized them all. I just had them line up. Yep, I'll write your notes, this much per note. What was the present? Who gave it to you? Were you the older sister? No, I was the second one. Okay. That sounds, like a mean, I was saying, that sounds like a mean older sister she, thing She was to do. an artist, and they all hated writing for some reason. I'm like, that is no problem. So you were either I, destined or doomed to be a reporter, I, weren't you? I'd be happy to do it for you. I could tell the story about why you're so excited to get this gift from Mamma from Papa. I can make this up. <laughs> <laughs> Don't confuse me with the facts. No problem. But I guess kids... You know, I'm 70 with issues, decided to quit shoveling, says someone from the 618. I went two doors down where the neighbors have three sons, middle to high school age, told the father I would pay them $30. Snow came, kids didn't. Maybe they don't need the money, as you say. Go ahead, defend that, Connor. Go Joe, ahead. thank you for joining us. Wendy Weiss is back tomorrow. John Carney and Julie Buck up next. Just to have a laugh or sing a song. Seems we just get started.